Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. I am thrilled to introduce, to welcome my dear friend, my colleague, my mentor, one of the greatest leaders in the realm of ADHD, the one and only Dr. Ned Hallowell. Doc, welcome. So glad to have you. Nice to be with you, Elaine. You are my mentor as well. Oh, thank you. So what we're going to do, I'm not going to go through a whole bio because we think bios are boring and it's all in the show notes. And the truth is, Ned, you come with no need for an introduction. Everybody listening has some idea of who you are and the work that you've done and the many, many books that you've written to support families and individuals. I don't want to say struggling with, I want to say living and loving and sometimes struggling with with. Uh, ADHD and all kinds of related conditions. Yeah, well, uh, that's why we call them no, complex. There's no kids. love without struggle. I mean, exactly. Those so are that saying. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about what you do rather than just what you do with families, because you're a psychiatrist, you run centers, ADHD centers around the country. How did you come to be doing this work? Well, you know, I have the condition myself, and I and I discovered it uh, when I, I'd gone through high school, college, medical school, residency, and in 1981, I was doing a post-residency fellowship in child psychiatry. That's how you become a child psychiatrist. You you do two more years, and uh, in the first month of the first year of that in 1981. I'll never forget a hot July day in Boston. I heard this lecture by one of our preceptors on a condition that I had never heard of called attention. It was then called just ADD, attention deficit disorder. If you told me before that lecture that someone had attention deficit disorder, I would have thought it was some psychoanalytic concept uh, about a child who didn't get enough attention. But it was such an eye opener. It was probably the single most impactful aha moment of my life, because not only did I realize I had it, but I also realized the medical model, uh, the deficit disorder model, left out all the good parts. And, uh, And so it began that day in 1981, in July of 1981, that I sort of made it my business to learn about this condition. And I learned about it not from the textbooks, because the textbooks, like I said, left out all the good parts. But my patients were my textbooks and my chief resident from the two years before, John Rady, he and I shared the same vision. So we would get together after playing squash and talk about our new discovery, ADD. And we'd talk about our patients, not what was in the textbooks. We read the textbooks, but we realized they left out all the good parts. And so through the 1980s, 
we batted around. I, I, I wrote some uh, handouts and I had them lined up under the bookshelf in my office that I shared with John. And um, next thing you know, I had 20 handouts. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, well, why don't I combine those in some way into a book? And I submitted a book. I Actually, I went out to uh, Western Massachusetts to interview Sandy Thomas, who was one of the co-founders of CHAD, the national uh, ADD organization. She, along with Harvey Parker, she founded CHAD. And I wanted to ask her, is there room for another book about ADD? <laughs> I remember sitting on her study floor. And she was surrounded by all these books and journals and magazines. I mean, she was she had learned everything that had or had everything that had ever been written about this condition. She was a very serious student of it and, uh, and a wonderful woman. And I lost touch with her. I don't know where she is, but I hope she's still alive and thriving. Anyway, I got to work on I the board of Chad the, with Harvey, by the way. What? <laughs> I got to what? work on the board of Chad with Harvey. Oh, wonderful. Oh, yeah. He's a character in his own right. But uh, I said, is there room for another book? And she said, well, I don't know, really. There's a lot of them. Uh, and uh, it would have to be, you know, something different. It would have to be really good because it's a crowded market. Yes, right. And, and so I was a little bit disappointed. But, um, you know, I drove home with, you know, sort of, I don't know if you call that encouragement or caution or right. words of wisdom. But I, I said, OK, let me have a go at this. And so I wrote this book called Driven to Distraction. And my friend, John Galassi, who's a major publisher, he said, I don't like the title. It sounds like it's a book about cars, you know, driven to distraction. But we went with it. And so we had these sort of negative cautionary echoes. And um, well, that book really, you know, brought this condition to the general public. And, you know, I I had hopes that it would maybe maybe sell 10,000 copies. And, you know, and, and of millions course, of copies later. Yeah, yeah but, uh, <laughs> but that was very wonderful. It was sort of miraculous because, you know, it was the perfect meeting of opportunity and skill. And because this condition is way more common than people knew back then, it came out in 1994. Most people hadn't even heard of it. Right. Well, now people, most people have heard of it, but they still don't really understand it. So here For we sure. are in 2023. And I've written now 22 books, and and, uh, some of them are about it. My most recent one is called ADHD 2.0, and it it has a bunch of new information in it. But what's special about ADHD 2.0, it is by far my shortest book. It's only, it's only 100 pages. And, I, you know, I finally understood my audience, you know, because, you know, they 22 books ADHD, later, you got it. People with ADHD, you know, don't really like to read long books if they read them at all. And, and they so, may not read them in order. I'm just gonna, yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and, and along the way, I got married to a wonderful woman and we had uh, had three children, which we still have. And, and they all inherited my ADD, my ADHD. I still call it ADD. And, um, you know, they're now 33, 30 and 27. So I've had the experience of raising three children who have it. I have it myself. And I've seen thousands of pages. I've probably seen more people with this condition than just about anyone in the world. And and so it's fair to say that I've lived it. I've treated it. I've written about it. And I'm still learning. There's still so much that I don't know. And um, what I would invite your listeners to do is just jump in and have fun. This condition, unlike most other conditions in mental health, is a barrel of laughs. I mean, it's a lot of fun. 
It's also a lot of struggle, a lot of sturm und drang, a lot of mistakes. But at its best, you know, we ADDers are the game changers. We're the innovators. We're the discoverers. For example, uh, in the age of COVID, the PCR test stands for polymerase chain reaction. The man who invented that had flaming ADD. His name was Kerry mm-hmm. Mullis, and he won the Nobel Prize in chemistry for it. And that's typical. Right. You know, sometimes people caricaturize me as saying ADD is a gift, and that's not true. I don't say it's a gift. I say it's potentially a gift, but it's also potentially a horrible curse. It can ruin your life. Right. The prisons are full of people with undiagnosed ADD. So are the halls of the addicted and the unemployed and the marginalized and the suicidal. So it can be horrible. And Russ Barkley has devoted his career to documenting that. And some people caricaturize him as Darth Vader and me as Pollyanna. It's true. And, and actually, we're two sides of the same coin. And I will share with you one of the best presentations I've ever seen many, many years ago at a Chad conference when it was still a Chad conference was you and Russ on the stage together. It was yeah. one of the best conversations ever because it really is striking how much more you have in common than the world gives you credit for. <laughs> I know. Harvey Parker beforehand said, should we build this as a heavyweight fight? Right. And, and I said, no, we're really two sides of the same coin. I don't yeah. disagree with the thing Russ has ever written. Yeah. I, you know, and he, 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 just says I emphasize the wrong thing, but but I emphasize what could be, and he emphasizes the damage that can be done. Well, you know, what strikes me, even in your own story, is there was this, you had this creative idea and this vision, and, and you had people telling you maybe not, and you pushed through and created something extraordinary. And I think that's very common in the world of ADHD is that, is that we have this incredible gift, and very often the world says, no, not that way, or no, don't do it this way. And so there's this overcoming of expectations in addition to self-management that's required for that kind of success. Yeah. For better or for worse, we are not easily dissuaded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's something about determination that can yeah, be powerful. Yeah. What I, the other thing I love about your story is, is challenging the medical model. You know, and if, if I had to, to summarize my mission in the world it's to change the medical model from that break fix realm, particularly in the realm of mental health, to stop seeing everybody as broken and to start seeing the extraordinary capacity is there to manage the challenges, the upsets, the frustrations, the struggles, but to do it in a context of, of seeing people for their full capacity. And that's really what I see you standing for. Absolutely. I like to say I don't uh, treat disabilities. I help people unwrap their gifts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so my job is to maximize the benefits of having this condition and minimize the damage that's done. And and fortunately, this condition really does come packed with a lot of positives. You know, it's it's hard to maximize the benefits of major depression or, you know, some other other conditions that. um, uh, But with this one, you know, once you get into it, it really is a a lot of fun. It can also be a lot of misery. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's an unmitigated uh, uh, blessing, but neither am I saying it's an unmitigated curse. I think the strength-based model that I advocate uh, really does set you up for much better outcomes. Because if you're unwrapping a gift, 
you're a whole lot more motivated than if yeah. you're fixing a disorder, you know, and, and I think that shift in emphasis is is what we need for parents, for schools, for employers, and for the individuals who have it. So let, let's talk a little bit about coexisting conditions, because you're a psychiatrist. You don't just support people with ADHD. You're looking at the whole realm of conditions that people are coming to you with. And we know in the realm of ADHD, that coexisting conditions, comorbidities, whatever you want to call it, is significantly high. So you're rare to find a kid with or an adult with just ADHD without something coming along with it for the ride. So there's a gift in the ADHD, and then there's the anxiety or the depression or the dyslexia or the LD or whatever. Speak a yeah. little bit to that. Probably the, the one that I worry the most about is substance use disorders, addictions, and okay. and because uh, those can really be the kiss of death, literally. And um, addiction, substance use disorder, whatever you want to call it, is five to 10 times more common amongst us. And 80% of addiction substance use disorder begins between the ages of 13 and 23. So this is an affliction of the young, at at least beginning uh, amongst the young. And, uh, you know, that's a terribly vulnerable time of your life when you're discovering who you are, you're becoming an adult, you're trying to make it on your own. And then if you throw in drugs or Behavioral addictions, uh, screens, gambling, sex, spending, shopping, food, exercise, all of those, you compulsive, if not addicting, it absolutely derails you. And it's the, it's the one that I worry about by far the most. It, it is the, the one that can absolutely ruin the rest of your life. So I, I, I really urge any of your listeners, if you have someone that you're concerned about, Pay attention to that. And by the way, it's a common misconception that taking stimulant medication opens the doorway to addiction. The opposite. In is fact, true. right. People, people who take stimulant medication have a reduced risk of developing addiction. So, so, and then. So, so can we speak to that for a second? Because it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a critical point that I like to hit again and again and again. So if you have ADHD, I, I often describe it as a stimulation seeking condition, right? Yes. We're, we're seeking yeah. inputs, we're seeking stimulation. Yes. So so taking medication, stimulant medication doesn't enhance the stimulus stimulation. It nourishes, if it will, it feeds the stimulation so that people aren't constantly seeking it in other ways. Is that a fair assessment? Or would you Yeah, think? no, it's very fair. I mean, you know, in sort of my analogy for ADD, which is a race car Ferrari engine for a brain with bicycle brakes. Stimulant medication stimulates the brakes. Right. So it allows you to say no. It allows mm-hmm. you to think before you act. It allows you a millisecond of reflection. So it gives you more control. And the downside of ADD is you behave without control. Mm-hmm. Now, that can lead to spontaneity and new ideas, or it can lead to terrible decisions and, and a car accident. So, you know, so stimulant medication stimulates, if you will, voluntary inhibition. It does not take away your spontaneity. It does not take away your special sauce. It just gives you, it gives you more control. And, and uh, that's what we need. But your, your thing about stimulus seeking, absolutely true. Our kryptonite is boredom, right. which I define as absence of stimulation. So, so we can't do boredom. We just can't do it. So we mm-hmm. lurch into action 
to make something happen. Now, that can be adaptive if you invent the PCR reaction, or it can be maladaptive if you take a drug or if you pick a fight in your search for stimulation. So how you get stimulation is a real critical life decision, you know, and and the one that I'm pushing these days is find a creative outlet. And I think we really underestimate that we need a creative outlet. We're like cows. We need to be milked every day. We need to be milked of our creativity. And, And for me, it's writing books. I've written 22 books. The reason I write so many books is not that I have a need to write books is if I don't have a book going, I get depressed. You know, and, and, and most of us with ADD, if we don't have that creative outlet, we turn to something else that can be pretty self-destructive. Most entrepreneurs have this. So and their creative outlet is growing their business, you know, whatever it might happen to be. The other year on comorbidity, the other two that are way common, uh, depression and anxiety, uh, very often occur in the wake of the untreated ADD. And so what happens altogether too often, and I would say nine times out of 10, is you go to a mental health professional or a medical professional and you get a diagnosis, but what they diagnose is depression and anxiety. Right. And they put you on an SSRI or some other antidepressant, which is not what you need. And and the SSRIs come with side effects and they, they don't really help the ADD. If you treat the ADD, However, with a stimulant medication, say, the depression often goes away and so does the anxiety because it's not true depression. What it is, is you're bummed out because you know you're underachieving and you can't figure out why you know you could do better, but you're not doing better. And that's depressing. And you're anxious because you're jitterbugging through a minefield. You don't know what's going to blow up next. How are you going to how are you going to misspeak, misact, forget and so on and so forth. So you're living in an ambience of apprehension, i.e. anxiety, and you're unhappy because, you know, you could be doing better. And if you get on stimulant medication, it's like, okay, now I can focus better. So I'm more in control and I'm less anxious and my performance improves, so my depression goes away. So you And so you my- have just described my life in a nutshell, <laughs> right? <laughs> Treated for anxiety for years, which never really did much. Discovered the ADD, started treating the ADD, and it was like I could figure out what to pay attention to. And the anxiety, I, I won't say it, it was eliminated, but it was reduced so significantly that it became kind of that normal anxiety, the malaise that we live with sometimes in the world, rather than this dominating thought process, right, right? right, And that ability to say, okay, this is what I'm paying attention to now. Right, exactly. Just that, what, it, what I think is very interesting for women very often is that the, the medicine can help reduce the overwhelm. And it's just, it's the overwhelm that can come with ADHD. We have so many options. Yeah. Being able to know where to pay attention for our own benefit can be a real value. Exactly. Absolutely. So we don't really have a lot more time. What I want to do is ask you to introduce to people, tell them where they can find out more about you and what you you're You go doing. to my website, which is drhallowell.com, just D-R-H-A-L-L-O-W-E-L-L.com. And it'll be in the show notes for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, offices in Sudbury, Mass., where I am now, outside of Boston, uh, New York City, Seattle, and Palo Alto. Great. And we'll have some links to to several of Dr. Hallowell's books in the show notes so that people can access ADHD 2.0, Driven Distraction, a few of my other favorites. (laughs) 
I will say that I was privileged. Dr. Hallowell wrote the foreword to my book, To the Essential Guide to Raising Complex Kids. So you can also find them there. All right. Before we wrap, what have we not shared with parents today that you'd like parents to know or understand? What do you think parents of complex kids with ADHD or more? Oh, above all else, never worry alone. You know, read uh, your books, read other books, talk to other parents, go on the internet. I mean, just uh, be hungry for knowledge and information. Worrying alone is when you get depressed and miserable and make bad decisions. So worrying with people, even in the form of reading a book, that turns it into problem solving. Mm -hmm. And my first rule of parenting, I wrote a book about parenting called The Childhood Roots of Adult Happiness. My first rule of parenting is enjoy your children. If you're enjoying Mm -hmm. them, it's almost for sure you're doing it right. And unless you're just smoking pot with them all day. And, uh, uh, you know, but if you're going to enjoy your children, you need to kind of understand them and, uh, and, you know, be able to uh, not be tormented by them. And, you know, difficult kids, complex kids can, can torment you. They can wear you out. Don't feel bad about that. Just learn about it. Uh, I mean, I have moms who told me I I have to go into the bathroom and lock the door to get a moment's peace. All the time. My kid kid is relentless. And um, so learn, don't worry alone, and discover knowledge that will give you hope. I mean, because the child who needs you is not the child you wish you had, but the child you have. And, you know, a lot of parents are spending a lot of time wishing they had a different child and trying to love that one. That ain't, that's not what you need to do. You need to find a way to fall in love with the child you've got, because that's the child who really needs you. And guess what? That's the child that you need. Yeah. You need the child. So true. Your greatest teacher is the kid who has you going, how do I be with this? What do I do with this? Right. Because that's your learning curve as parent. Yep. Right. That's your mission. You know, I mean, it's a noble mission. I don't think there's anything any of us ever does that's more important than raising a child. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. When I was young and I wasn't sure if I wanted to have kids and I was coming out of the 70s and I was a feminist and I at some point I decided. And in those days, I thought the world was too messed up to bring kids into it. Now, (laughs) think about how, how, how different it is now. But I ended up deciding to have kids because I felt like having kids was the most profound way to change the world, was to raise amazing, interesting, conscious humans was really the way to impact the world. Little did I know what a teacher that would be for me Mm. and the cascading impact that would have for, you know, hundreds of thousands of other parents who've had the benefit of my learning from these amazing young beings. So... I love that message. Love the child who needs you is the child you have. And that is so, so true. So the last question I have for you before we wrap is, do you have a favorite quote or motto that you want to well, share? Well, ne- never worry alone is, is the one that pretty much sums up most of what I have to say. And, and you know, uh, God is love and, you know, love is what we need. And, you know, it's how you give it and how you receive it that makes all the difference. You know, but love is a... When people say they don't believe in God, I say, well, do you believe in love? And everyone says, yes. Yeah. I say, okay, well, that's God, you know, and you don't have to call it God, call it uh, tuna fish if you want. But the force of love, of connection, is what drives most of what's good in life. And the force of disconnection is what drives most of what's bad in life. So cultivate connection 
in every way you can, like you're doing with your podcast and with, with your books. It, it's a it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, if mo- if more of us got together and connected, uh, we wouldn't have the problems we've got, you know. So. so true. When we started Impact, you know, now 12 years ago, the first thing we did was we created, it was about coaching, classroom, and community. And it was the, the kind of three-legged stool of the three that makes the difference. If, if you don't find that sense of connection, it's really hard to do what you're saying, which is to learn and to not worry alone and to... Um, and to connect and to be the parent we want to be. So yeah. thank you for that. So thank you, Dr. Hallowell, for being here, for being with us, for doing the work that you do in the world, thank, for thank making you, the Elaine. difference that you do. Thank you so much. And uh-huh. thank you for all you do for everybody. Thank you. And for those of you listening, thank you for what you're doing, for being present, for engaging, for paying attention, and for not paying attention and then bringing your attention back being the conscious parent that you are, being here makes a difference for yourself, for your family, for your kids, and for our communities. So stay with it. Keep doing what you're doing. Every day is a new day, and we'll see you on the next one. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.